You were asking before if the questions were really challenging and too much, too personal. I feel like just going to therapy and sharing on social media, speaking or speaking with a friend or member of your family helps to heal. Every time I have opportunity, you know, to share like you invited me, it actually helps me. I will leave our conversation with other thoughts, with some insights, speaking about your feelings in in your traumas actually is helpful and it heals. That was Natalia Fritas and this is Mentally Flexible. Welcome to Mentally Flexible, where we have meaningful conversations to help you build mental flexibility. I'm Tom Parks. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, and in each episode, I'll be talking to people who inspire me most on topics related to psychology, mental health, and creativity. My hope is that through these conversations, you'll better understand yourself, others, and the world around you. Thanks for being here, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Oh, in time, you'll find your... My guest today is Natalia Fritas. Natalia is the creator of Loving My Dots, a space she created to promote connection among diversity. Natalia was born with congenital malinocytic nevus, which is a non-genetic birthmark that can form on a person's body. This left a birthmark covering 40% of her face, plus moles all over her body. Her case is an example of a giant nevus, which occurs only once in 500,000 births. From ages 9 months to 13 years old, Natalia had many surgeries to remove her facial nevus. In 2008, Natalia began sharing her story on social media, leading to a number of collaborations with various publications. She was also chosen to be featured in a documentary by the British news agency Barcroft TV. In the first 10 minutes or so of this episode, Natalia gives an overview of her story. We then shift into exploring more detailed parts of her journey, including when Natalia remembers first becoming aware of her condition, the challenges related to looking and feeling different from others, Natalia's conflicting narratives regarding her surgeries as a child, how the relationship with her mother played a role throughout this journey, and how Natalia supports others going through similar situations. This was an incredibly heartfelt and meaningful conversation. I'm so thankful to Natalia for her willingness to be open about her story and share some of the major challenges that she faced along the way. And as always, thank you all for being here and listening to the podcast. If it's your first time, welcome. If you'd like to support the show, it'd mean a lot to me if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share with a friend, or follow me on Instagram at Mentally Flexible. All right, well, thanks again for being here. And now let's get into my conversation with Natalia Fritas. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, I don't even know where to begin. I'm so interested in you and your life. And since I found your uh, Instagram page and learned a little bit more about your story, I've just been really fascinated and interested in getting to know you and have you on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you. 
Yeah, so um, I I am on Instagram for the past, um, I don't know, two or three years. It's pretty recently that I started sharing my story, um, which is I was born with a condition uh, called uh, CMN. It's a very rare condition. Only one baby in 500,000 are born like me. So I'm very special. <laughs> uh, so it's a ski, a ski condition, right? Um, so I was born with 40% of my face with a gigantic birthmark. And I had several surgeries uh, throughout my childhood until I was 13. Uh, and then I went through many events like bullying um, and I, I am 34, so back in the 80s, 90s, we didn't have social media, internet, you know, so people would be very curious about my appearance. Uh, I was born in Brazil and raised, and also the culture is very expressive and curious and effective, effective right? So sometimes people can be very, you know, uh, expressive and say whatever they want and ask questions which are inconvenient. And I guess people back then weren't so aware about that. So I went through for uh, through bullying and all this and it caused a lot of traumas. Right. Um, but I I I deal very I dealt very well to just survive and go through um, my teenager life and childhood like everyone else. Uh, but I kind of put this story away from my life and decided to leave other things like everyone else, like you, you know, college, uh, dating, everything else, high school. And uh, when I was 25, I, was, I came to California, where I live now in Los Angeles, and started sharing my story on social media for my friends and people who um, follow me, which were, were less than a thousand followers. And every time I would, you know, post something more vulnerable, I would get a lot of comments and DMs. And I realized that people want to see that true side of me, that vulnerable side of me. Um, and then I started thinking about and testing myself and I realized I was using, uh, only filter, uh, pictures, or I would pose on the pictures on the, like kind of hiding my right side. Right. And then if you see on the picture, you don't really understand. If you don't know me, you would not really notice that I have scars and, um, and a symmet not symmetric face. So I was posing for pictures like that for so many years. And so small things made me feel, think uh, from the reaction of people like, oh, so when I am actually myself, people are interested. And then people that I used to work in Brazil like 10 years ago started messaging me saying, oh, I'm so happy that you're talking about that now. I was never... Um, I, I was, was always like not really, I was always curious to, to know about you more, even though we, we were friends for a long time, but I, I, I thought you didn't want to talk about that. And they were happy for me for being, for coming out, you know, and seeing this side of me just myself because I was hiding and I was not, 
it was the, a, a way for me to survive and just like, you know what? I'm so tired of this story. So I put this story in the past, in the, my childhood, which was so traumatizing. And I just like, I look normal because that's how I truly feel, right? So honestly, I feel that I'm pretty and I always had boyfriends. I always got compliments. So I created that on my head because that's how I, how I, I truly feel, let's say that. But in order to feel good like that, I had to just, let's not talk about that. I'm so tired. That's enough. So when I started sharing my story on social media, I, uh, uh, people uh, started coming uh, to me and wanted me to collaborate. Let's do uh, write for my blog. And then it expands to like Daily Mail and the UK reaching out to me and wanting to share, share my story. And that happened in 2018. It was so quickly. Uh, once I started sharing just in my personal Instagram, I had other opportunities. It's, uh, and then I went back to Brazil to visit my family after eight years. And I had opportunities to uh, speak in public. And then one event became four, four events. I went to TV and shared to promote my public speaking uh, presentations. And I had like people coming, like a crowd of, I don't know, 50 people watching me to speak in public for the first time, almost the first year of my whole life, right? I was, I don't know, 20, uh, I was 32. So was like, so much. One year, 2018 from March, let's say my first post was in March, which I posted something about my story, which I posted a picture without filter with my co little cousin. And I just woke up and posed and took that picture, frontal picture, not hiding on the, not hiding my right side. And then in 2008, uh, November, right, the end of that, oh, that year, I was speaking public to 50 people saying, hey, this is me. And I had people crying in the crowd and coming after the event saying, thank you so much for sharing. I don't have a skin condition. I don't have a, um, a, a facial differences like you do. But I went through the same when I was a kid. And I also don't share. And I feel so good to hear somebody and feel related. Almost like I'm not abnormal because there are other people that suffer like me and went through like me and you're so courageous to do that so I inspire satisfying them to also be more themselves like I am just starting right so sorry uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm, I'm, no, I'm that's, <laughs> no you're doing great I mean if you have any if you want to finish that thought you can I have so many questions if Amazing. so feel free to finish what you're saying thank you so uh, I was in Brazil, right, visiting for 45 days. So I started having so many ideas and getting so excited. I was not happy with my career back then here as an immigrant was very complicated. So I was like, okay, how? I, I was having a, such a, a, a positive feedback, feedback from other people since March, right? Uh, from strangers, from people in person that I met in Brazil, from people here, uh, and all over the world, um, being able to be online. So, and I speak English, you know, even though it's my second language. So I'm able to communicate to 
Portuguese speaker and also English. So I was like, how about I make this uh, project, a website, uh, a business, right? And my background is in marketing Brazil, even though here I was not really working on that, but I really want to go back. So uh, when I came back in January, I was very scared, right? Because I saw there was a very big opportunity there. I took uh, like a one year, a one, sorry, one month to recover from all that exciting. I was so happy. I was just like drowned in happiness. I was like, it's almost like I was bullied my whole time, my whole life. And finally people love me. So it was the experiencing of seeing people asking me, tell me our, your story. Your story is inspiring. I want to hear more. Please give me your gift. You have something I want to know because it will help me. So that love was exactly the opposite what I received for the same reason. So because I was different, I was born different because I look like I look. People was, they love me. They admire me. They they said I am inspiring. And my whole life I was taught that I am weird, I'm wrong, I shouldn't be born like that. And they feel people feel uncomfortable when they look like me and they ask questions like, what happened to your face? Like, Jesus, why you look like that? Why you are dressing like that? Why you are making, you know, something weird, but it's something that I cannot change. It's just the way my face is and that's it. And people had a hard time to accept and now they love who I am. It, it was very overwhelming. So in January, I came back and started thinking, brainstorming, like a strategy, name. So I, I came up with my aunt with loving my dots, create a website, uh, rebranded my, my Instagram, changed the handle. And after that, just started collab- like looking for people, creating content to looking for people online with similar uh, interests right? To collaborate. And then, um, one thing after other just, uh, uh, started happening, just blogs, other collaborations with bigger accounts and newspaper, daily mail from UK, another big, um, website, right. Uh, for women, they reach out to me, they share my content. So, I went to New York then for another event to speak uh, for uh, an empowering uh, women event. Um, I had another outlet um, from YouTube, like a, a TV, YouTube TV. They reached out to me. They, they created a documentary for, uh, about my story. So from there, in 2019, exp- uh, opportunities just started coming. Because I decided I created Loving My Dots and then I was like officially sharing my story. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that. And what I love is your story is a perfect example of um, a common underlying narrative of, you know, when you were being bullied for looking different, kind of, you learned that hiding or trying to hide or sort of suppress that side of you or just not deal with it was an adaptive thing that helped you when you were younger. And then you got to a point when you were older where you were still doing that, but realizing that was the thing that was getting in the way of maybe having more meaningful connections in your life. And the moment that you chose to live a new way and be more open and self-accepting and vulnerable, that's when everything changed for you. And you had all this 
this, this powerful shift in meaning and connection in your life. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to think about the whole path, right? Because I don't know, it's all different the way we feel and see and the point of view of other people. Uh, I feel like I change my thoughts every week. I now do therapy. And when I feel I realize things and I have all, all like this defined, like, okay, this is my life. That's how I feel. Next week, something happened. And I cry again because I watch a video on TikTok about the a therapist saying something that I feel totally related. So it's it it, it is a constant uh, process of self acceptance, yeah. and I think it's for everyone. In my case, was intense. It is intense. I have traumas because I didn't heal when I I was went through that. I didn't do therapy mm-hmm. or I didn't. Uh, recover back then overcame right so I think because I hide this in I separate uh, that this story and events from my life um, I'm doing this now right yeah so I I guess was how, how you said uh, just hiding was a way to you know be happy and in peace a little bit and, and take a break from that healing and take a break from that suffering and seeing the good side of life because I was, I, I, until I was 11, I didn't have a friends. I didn't, um, have like cre- other kids that really want to have, uh, um, play with me and, and just treat me like other kids until then I was asked all the, all the time on the streets uh, about my face at the park when I was just trying to play or go to school and try to learn and be a normal kid and make friends and study and learn and write and, you know, do normal things. So I think when I found kind of a community, like I I moved to another city and found friends back then I was 11, 12, uh, who actually accept me and also didn't talk about that. I just thought that was a, a good idea. Let's not talk about that. And let's just play and be right. Like yeah. anyone else. So that, that escape, that way to escape of that uh, suffering was the my only option, right. Yeah. To leave. So you were, you were born with this. At what point do you remember sort of becoming like aware or self-conscious of this being something that other people didn't experience that made you stand out. Do you remember when that switch took place as a child? Yeah, I think it started very early. Uh, I, I remember, uh, because of the surgeries, right. Also, I started doing surgeries when I was nine months. So, yeah. So going to the doctor, uh, made me aware to talk about that. What is the next surgery? surgery what can we do how do you feel i would have to recover not you know go outside in the sun like there were so many things that i had to worry about as a toddler as a, a kid as like all ages from i the, the age i can remember that i would do things by myself or going going to the bathroom or eating or playing that i had to be aware about you know recovering from the surgery. So, um, I also went to preschool, like, uh, because my mom, my parents were divorced when I was 
uh, before I was one year old, right? So my mom had to put me on the preschool uh, very early. So I remember I probably had, I was two or three years old and remembering, noticing like, okay, these kids, they look like this and I look different. And looking at other little girls and thinking, wow, they are so pretty. So this means to be pretty and I am ugly and Mm -hmm. separate myself from them. Like they were something, I was something else. And I remember being very mad at them and my in life and thinking, why am not, why don't I look like them? And being very sad and sometimes even being mean to kids because I didn't want to be like that. And I hate that they look differently than me and they look they were pretty and I was not. So I was aware very early. I, and also I started speaking. I was uh, like clearly when I was three, which is early age. Right. And then when I started speaking, uh, I would be the one answering questions at the park on the street when people would suddenly stop me like, oh, my gosh what happened to your face? What happened to her? Like I was, I don't know if my dad, my stepdad or my mom and people would just stop us on the streets or at the bus and say, what happened to her face? And we like in our normal life, right? Because that's our normal life. I'm like this since ever. And people would just come and jump to our lives and ask without permission, what happened to your face? So that. I, I was always asked that all the time, you know, wow. going, going out, I was already expecting my mom. Yeah, already, like there was a spotlight on you. Exactly. Like, okay, I know going to the park means being exposed, even though I love, I am social. I love to make friends even the, there and now. Right. I, I knew that inform, I knew that the, the, it's going to happen. We are going to go outside and that's going to happen. And I, so I had, I was aware since always because of the surgeries and people, people's questions made me identify that about myself. Okay. Hey, I have something. And my mom explained to me because, uh, I, you know, I had to understand that I would go to surgery, see the doctor. It would hurt a little bit after the surgery, I had to heal. I could not touch or cry too hard or laugh too hard, right? So we always communicate a lot, my mom and I. We are we have been always very close. So yeah, I was aware since very wow. early. Yeah, you know, and there's almost the trauma you experienced. I imagine was multifaceted too. It wasn't just that feeling like you stood out or being bullied or people constantly saying things to you, but just, and even on the other side, the, the, the amount of surgeries that must've been so difficult too. constantly having to go to get surgeries and heal and repair and being restricted and how you can, how you can live. That must've been its own separate thing too. Right. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I think also was my strategy to do that. And my mom's strategy, right. Uh, I have a very good, a positive um, memory about surgeries. Oh, so okay. I think that's something we created and that's okay because that's a way we also could survive. Right. 
because it yeah. happened. We and my mom thought it was the best option, and today I'm very satisfied with the results. You know, I like the way I look. So even though a lot of people are against surgeries, right? Um, I think was the best decision she could have made for us, specifically for our family. And she decided, right? Not me. So I'm happy with that because I know it was so hard and I like the way, the, you know, I look. So all good. And I think my mom, because my mom was, you know, she didn't have a partner. My father and her divorced when I was very, very young. So she had to make decisions by, by herself and deal with everything by herself. And also not knowing other people, other families or kids with uh, Nevis, the condition I have, was very challenging for her. So kind of uh, knowing my surgeon, the doctor who had an experience with another patient who had Nevis was very um, comforting for her, right? She, She could have asked questions to him and he was very supportive back then. Uh, so going to see him was always fun for me. And I was going to see somebody who was going to help me and answer questions. So was kind of have a friend or, you know, was very comforting for me. It was, was positive going to see him, uh, the way he treated me, the way he could, uh, support us. And the phrase I had on my head was, He's here to help me. I am so pretty and I will be even pretty after the surgery. So, so that was a statement, right? Oh, In my wow. head. Yeah. So, so I apologize for assuming that. I mean, it sounds like going into surgeries and that process for you in some ways was a very hopeful and nurturing and safe environment. Yes and no. So... It's okay. That's the impression that people have about surgeries, right? It is traumatizing. So what I just said was the story I created and the feeling I have back then. But Um. growing up now, I remember a second feeling I had, which I never really uh, faced and expressed. And I think I only uh, spoke out about that feeling when I decided to stop doing surgeries, which I was when I was 13. Mm. Um, The second feeling I had was the expectations, which is very normal for everyone who does cosmetic surgeries, right? You have an idea about yourself and you have an idea about things you want to change on you and you have an expectation, that is an, an image, an idea of you in your head, how the results will happen. You will look like that. I have a big nose. If I do a surgery, surgery, I will look like this actress or this other person. So you hope you will, uh, like, like in my, my mind as a kid, even more, right? Uh, I thought surgeries would be like magic. Okay, Natalia, mm. you're coming here. Uh, we have to do surgeries every two years because, you know, of the skin. Uh, but with time, you're going to look normal. That was my idea of doing surgeries. I thought mm-hmm. like magic, I would like, okay, doing 10 surgeries for, I don't know, so many years, I will finally look like my left side of my face. Mm-hmm. So every time I would do surgeries, 
even though I know I knew with time that was not reality, right? That's not how it works. Uh, after the surgery, sometimes, you know, I was very swollen and red and it, it always took a while to heal maybe years even for the new skins to settle down and look more like the rest of my face. And that was very, was devastating. I would cry a lot. Um, I think it's normal reaction for people who does surgery. Um, especially in my case, which my face is not asymmetric and is not like just doing my nose, but the whole face, the ha half of my face. Right. So I would feel very, frustrated and sad and it really that thoughts would come up all over like okay I'm ugly I'm weird I'm different uh, all the bullying words and thoughts right uh, the bullies uh, those words would come out to me and I would be very sad and put myself in a very dark place and mm. I think the main thing was I didn't have like a professional support. I didn't have a, like, I was not going to therapies or anything. So all the help I had was my mom, you know, love and, and positive words and comforting uh, words, but not m more than that. And, and also a lot of my thoughts, I didn't want to share because I didn't want to uh, give her more problems because I thought she had enough. She was a, a single mom and she was dealing with my uh, problems. So I, I should be grateful. So, you know, tough it up, cry when, when you really need, but that's it. Let's move on. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Thanks for sharing all that. So, I mean, to maybe make sure I'm understanding you correctly about when it came to surgeries, it was almost two sides. There was the part of you that was kind of hooked on the idea you were sold about being normal one day, which had like a tinge of hope to it. But then there was the other part of you where that reinforced this idea that you weren't okay the way that you were. Exactly. Yeah. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. there were two sides of hope and going to the doctor. I, I love all the, the ritual, right? The hospital was great. I remember like everything. Uh, it was in an area with a lot of trees. So the whole experience was so positive. Everybody and the, and the, his office was very, very nice. So I love even the smell of the place. Everything was so nice and fun for me. Seeing him, I remember his voice. Everything was so like nice and love, loving, right? I had so much love from that, that experience and hope because, okay, one more surgery is coming up. That's the date. We have to go to the doctor before to see him for a few times, and then we're going to go. And after the surgery, I, I would like eat, you know, uh, some chocolate, and my mom would buy some uh, yogurt and some soda and things that are junk food that I never eat. So mm -hmm. I already had that calendar, like that schedule and like, just like a ritual in, in my head of love. Okay. All mm -hmm. this is fun and I'm receiving love, which was so hard for me to understand that I deserve. And I not often had that right in my head. So, uh, but on the other side, when I would see myself, uh, after 
after the, the surgeries, going to see him and starting being able to see, right, my face healing. I think removing, after removing the, the gauze and actually see my face for the first time after the surgery uh, was like the reality. So all that story about going to the doctor and seeing him and being better and being prettier uh, almost was just uh, a story. And the reality was, oh, no. no, this is not exactly easy like that. It's going to take a while. And actually, the impression, the expectation you had was just a fantasy. It was just in my head. So I was oh. like, there you go. I'm back to be ugly here. And actually, I prefer when I, how I look before because I don't like oh. this color right now. This is different. So think about it for everyone, right? But as a kid, it was harder. It's almost getting used to a new face, even though wow. it's just a small part, right? So I did my nose here. This it was all with birthmark, so all dark. Here I have a scar. So it was a lot of difference each time, right? So oh, okay, I don't have the face I was expecting to have, and also I have to get used to this new one. So yeah, it was really really challenging. Oh, Natalia, yeah, that last thing you said right there really was powerful. Like each time it was not only did you not have the face that you were sort of bought into getting through the surgery, but then you had to kind of readjust to seeing yourself in a whole new way and having a whole like different face. That must have just been so complex and difficult every time. Yeah, very challenging. Almost like I was I went to a store and they promised I would have an experience or maybe I went to Disney and they said, "Okay, this is going to happen. You're going to have so much fun. You're going to have this in your life." And then suddenly, no, everything is dark and everything is not fun and I feel unsafe and I feel lost and confused. And I created that in my head, right? Nobody promised in, in, a, in my head as a kid it was hard to understand that because I wanted to believe that I was going to look like other girls, the girls from school, right? I, I thought that was the solution. I thought the, that, doc, that, that doctor was able to do that for me, which is impossible. Um, so it was hard for me to understand that. So... Yeah, so that phase of uh, after all the surgeries was very hard, especially because my mom always remembered me, remind me, right? You can cry because of the you can't. It's still oh healing, right? God. If you cry, uh, you're gonna uh, have bigger scars, or if you oh smile man. too big, yeah. So it was like almost sometimes I would cry on pur purpose. Just to get attention, you know, like I can't cry. Oh, so I'm going to cry because I'm so sad. So it was really, really intense. And, and for her, it was hard too, because she was doing her best. Because, you know, when for Neva's uh, owners, people who are, are born with uh, Neva's, it's a surprise for the parents. We cannot ad identify the condition before the birth so when mm. the mom is you know giving birth 
the babe comes and they like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And sometimes the doctors, especially back then in the 80, 80s, right? I was born in 86, um, was a surprise. A lot of people didn't know. All the doctors that uh, uh, was in the pro- uh, process, they didn't know my condition specifically. So it's a surprise for everyone. So it's kind of like I was going through something, but she was going through something at the same time. She was doing her best because it was was new, right? Nobody knew about the condition. It is very rare in general. Parents still now, they come to me, to my uh, Instagram desperate. Like, I had a baby yesterday, and what's happening? I don't know. I found your Instagram. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. So it was hard for my mother to understand what was happening. So she was doing her best. I was doing my best. And that was challenging at all events, right? It, a couple of things. I mean, one, it sounds like you have a really deep sense of empathy for your mom. And like, because you're able to connect with how difficult your childhood was and how things that your mom did may have contributed or may it made it worse or more difficult for you. But you also are able to be very empathetic for what that was like for your mom. Yeah. 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 Do you want to say something? Otherwise I have a question or you can, you can go yeah, with that if you want. It's just hard now. Just for a second, need a break. Um, Oh, is this, is it, are we going too personal? I can sort of pull back if you want. No, that's fine. I think it's important what you said, because that's something, another other thing that I realize with time. Uh, is, uh, whatever you want to ask, I'm very open. It's, it helps me, actually, right? Okay. When I share. If, okay. <laughs> You're okay. fine. Thank you for, right. for yeah. checking in. So I think was a good thing, and I think most of kids don't have uh, enough awareness and maturity to understand how much their parents are giving to them. That's not common, right? <laughs> but somehow I, I had my mom uh, that's so close to me. I always, I always felt like, I always have felt that she's my friend. And I was, I had so much information as a kid, what was going on, maybe too much, that I always appreciated so much that what she was doing for me. Because I, I see her, I saw her doing so hard, doing so much, by, my, by herself, being single, a single mother, that I always have appreciated the hard thing and the negative thing side of this was a lot of things that were happening, I didn't tell her. I didn't share because I don't want to give her more problems. So when I was not in preschool anymore, I was five or six. I, I moved schools and I went to this huge school, was public school with not really good uh, support system for kids emotionally, right? Um, I started being bullied. Mm-hmm. And many of the stories, uh, I only told her into t- like a, f- a few years ago when I started sharing my story to the world. Mm. And I told her when we, she came visit me in California and told her that I was bullied and I was at this school, this is school and people did this, said that. And she was like shocked. She's like, mm. why you didn't tell me that before? Like, let's go to the school now and do something. Like she was <laughs> like, what happened? Like she was like, I, she had no clue that I was being bullied. 
that I I would have to face that every day, and I have like vivid uh, memories and images, and I sometimes have dreams about those events, you know. Yeah. And she had no idea; she had so much to deal with, and I she didn't notice. And I didn't share. So I want to protect her. And I always thought it was my responsibility to uh, figure it out. Because I, I am the one who looks like that. I am the one who people don't like. So I have to face it. That's life. That's how things work. Things mm. work. Even though I was six, seven, eight. And I was just a wow. kid. Yeah, I mean... That- having this perspective, it's so clear now about how difficult that must have been. And like, but when you were six, seven and eight, it probably just made so much sense, right? That that was what you needed to do. Yes. Because, uh, I think kids, they learn a lot by example and the role model as a woman for me was my mom. And how did she was dealing with life? Tough it up, go through, figure it out. You don't know what happened to her. You don't know much about this condition. People are saying on the, at the, when I was born, people said that is nothing to do. There is no way to remove. There is no way to surgeries. And she talked to everyone in the hospital and find this doctor who was the only one who knew about my condition and had an experience like that. So things like that. She didn't know things. And she, what she did, she figured it out. And that's the way I was dealing with my own problems as a kid, because that's the way we should do. The adult who is my role model is doing that, so I have to do that. So I was just copying the way she is, which is amazing. She's strong, and I am. The, and, and that's the, pe- the person uh, who I am today as an adult, and I'm so proud of that. But for, as a kid, I really needed help. I, I needed help, and that was not the best decision, the best option for me. Uh, that's why today, when I speak about bullying to parents, teachers, educators, ter- uh, caregivers online, I, you know, I am very clear about that. Please be aware, check it out, talk to other parents, the teachers, be close to your kid, be close to the environment they are, because... A lot of times they are going through things you don't know, you don't see, you're so busy, and I understand, but it's going to make the whole difference if you can catch that event when, that's hap- when it is happening earlier than, you know, later like me. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, you really develop such a strong sense of resiliency throughout your life, and it seems like now, ever since you've been more open and public about your about what you've been through it's like you're almost seems like you're giving yourself permission to maybe put that armor down a bit and kind of share these things so that even if they are a little bit more raw and vulnerable and it's difficult it's like it's your time now to be more open with these things yeah that's perfect definition thank you yeah yeah. And I think that affected my relationships too with partners, right? Since I started dating, like having the first boyfriend until as an adult, uh, uh, and, and with friends as well. So 
uh, this arm that you mentioned, armor, it, yeah. it exists here. And sometimes I, I'm afraid to love people. I'm afraid to be affectionate, even though I'm Brazilian. A lot of, most of my friends are very like, they are huggers and they want <laughs> me, you know, to hug me and be around me. And for me, it's hard. And for me, it's hard to say, I love you back. Mm. I say, yeah. (laughs) 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 Or or I say it in English because since it's not my language, right? It is my second language and still, you know, don't feel 100% an English speaker. I say, I love you, which it doesn't mean the same. Oh, it doesn't have it doesn't have the same energy around it for you. Yeah, and then in my first language is sport, which is Portuguese. Portuguese saying "te amo," which is "I love you," hurts. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. So yeah, you're still going through your journey now. It sounds like, as we all are, right? Like yeah. a lot of this stuff, it's still just a process for you. Exactly. Yeah, and as as I mentioned before, I think. Uh, it happens with everyone. For me, it is even more in- intense because I have some specific traumas and maybe took too long to actually go through and th- think about it, talk about it, go doing treatment, which is going to therapy. Uh, it's very intense right now, but I think for me and for everyone, it's, uh, y- you go through your traumas and heal your whole, whole life, as long as you are alive, right? It's good because it's liberating. You feel free. You feel more yourself, and it's, you you live more in peace. So it's fine. You know, as a I don't know if you know this, but I'm a therapist. I don't know if I shared that when I reached out. But so I'm curious. As much as, of course, as much as just you're willing to share from a high level, what has your experience been like going to therapy for the first time? It's life changing. I love it. I'm like, yeah, guys. Who you, you, my followers, friends, for God's sakes, do therapy. <laughs> I wish I could be one, you know, because I, I have so many, I see so many, you know, people needing help, like would be potential, my clients <laughs> and I could mm. change the world, but I, mm. you know, I'm having my career in marketing, in social media as an influencer and content creator. So it's too late but I'm so fascinated about psychology and mental health and all the tools that you, you can be helped if you ask for help. And yeah, I started in 2019, one year after I started loving my dots, I started in the end of the year, in 2019, I was uh, going through other things in my life, very hard events. So I just decided to see a doctor, uh, sorry, a, psycho- a therapist. And yeah, since then it has been a great journey. And as, as much as I dig, I see more things to be healed and talked. So mm. it's great. I have been, have, I have a, a great experience with therapy. Wow. Thanks for sharing. And you know, maybe just to push you a bit or challenge you a bit, like, I think you'd be a great therapist. And I had people in my graduate program of all different life stages. And uh, so just throwing that out there. Nice. I'm going to think about it. Coming from you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the. <laughs> yeah. I mean, having your sort of, I think what makes a great therapist is somebody, because we all have had our own 
suffering, which is relative to our lives and looks different on the outside and has different intensities to it. But I think a great therapist is one who's made contact with that and is on that healing journey and is open and available to support others on it. And it seems like that's where you are right now. So awesome. And, and maybe to kind of go with that, um, you were saying that you get parents with children who have, um, is it Navis or Nevis? Nevis. Nevis. Yeah. Um, reach out to you who just had children and are asking for some support or asking questions. What do you say to parents? Like, what would you say to a parent who reaches out to you and they're kind of lost because they weren't expecting this and reaching out to you? It's always very emotional, right? Every time when they come to me, because I just want to go there in person and hold them, right? And say, and convince them and hug them and and convince them that things are going to be fine, that they are overwhelmed now, but look at me. I survived. I'm happy. I have my life. I have my job. I have my regular life. I went through a lot of things, but you know, I'm here. And everything is going to be fine because when they are just uh, find out about Nevis, they are desperate. They think that their life, their, their baby's life ended there. It's going to be horrible. And sometimes can be like a very small and cute birthmark. But for those in, in, in their heads, it's just the end of the world. So mm. I always just try to be very comforting and sharing my own experience saying being realistic, like it is, was challenging, but these are some things that I think you should do that I, it might have, might have, have helped me. And I didn't have, for example, doing therapy, uh, being closer to your kid, uh, knowing everything is happening with the, in their environment, like small things that, I miss that I hope I had, I share with them. And a lot of people ask me hard questions, which should I, I do surgery? Should I remove my, my kid's birthmark? What do you think? Because you did, right? So what is it? What is it? It's almost like, if you say yes, I will do it. I'm like, okay, I cannot, <laughs> I don't have, I can't, I can't have this responsibility, right? And because I did, people will think I am an advocate about surgeries, right? So yeah. I shared the, 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 the two sides, which is, was my mom's decision. I am very happy the way I look, happier than I was before, but there are consequences. So you have to choose what is good, what is better for your own family, do you guys have, a con- you guys can do that financially. It takes time. It takes, you know, you need emotional support. There are so many things. So I cannot make this decision for you. I only can say that whatever you decide, it's going to be the best option for sure. Mm-hmm. And they are always afraid, like, do you think my kid's going to hate me because I'm deciding this for them? You know, so it's very challenging. So wow. I do my best and I, I, I think I put my sh- my myself on their shoes. I really genuinely yeah. feel like, okay, I, I want to help you. Let me do my best here in, in my thoughts about your experience. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great answer. Thanks for sharing all that. And it sounds like what you do is you try to be very, like have some very open and flexible 
you know, guideposts on how to approach a situation, but without like leaning somebody one way or the other on what's right for them, because what's right for one person isn't right for another person. Exactly. And yeah, yeah it's a big deal. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really love speaking with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm very glad you reached out. I, you were asking before if the questions were really challenging and too much, too personal. I feel like just going to therapy and sharing on social media, speaking or speaking with a friend or family, mem member of your family, helps to heal So when every time I have opportunity, you know, to share, like you invited me, it actually helps me. I will leave our conversation with other thoughts, with some insights and feeling better, you know, exchanging this information with you and listening to your thoughts as well. So just another two cents here for people who is listening to us speaking about your feelings in, in your traumas actually is helpful and it heals and that what has been helping me mm. well thank you and it's mutual too because now i'm going to leave this with new thoughts and new awareness and more empathy and um and a new friend so oh thank uh, you <laughs> um thank you would you want to share how people could find you and connect with you of course so everywhere uh, all the social media so instagram is my main uh, social media which is at loving my dots uh, you can find me everywhere on and facebook instagram uh, tiktok and i have my website so feel free to connect to send me a dm if you have questions i'm always very open and responsive so yeah thank you again Thank you. It's got me out of my mind. It's got me seeing trees breathe. It's got me learning how heaven and hell are both inside of me. It's got me feeling the love that I bottled so deep. When the entire world kept feeding on my grief.